Hey, I'm Amber and welcome to the Lone Star Keto podcast. Today we have Mahek with us. She is a lifestyle coach and a fitness trainer, and she is currently in India and she's going to give us some good insights on what's going on over there as far as fitness and diet and etc. Welcome, Mahek. Thank you, Amber. Thank you. It's so nice to be on your uh, sharing screen with you. Absolutely. I, I just adore you. I follow, you. I follow her on Instagram and she's so positive and she's always doing stuff. And it's just, I just love watching her. She, she kind of lights up my morning, but uh, let's start with your background. Tell us even, even your health struggles, if you've had any, um, and how you got to this point in your life. So go for it. Uh, yeah. So Amber, um, you know, this is back, I, I take this back around 22 years. That's when I got married. And so around that time, I was just about 21. And I got married and I moved to Houston, Houston, Texas. So, you know, it was, it was a very fun life. You're eating everything and you're just enjoying your metabolism is super high and everything is like going perfectly fine. You know, until uh, me and my husband decided that we wanted to have a baby. And uh, that's when I started to work on, you know, things like uh, checking menstrual cycles and trying to get a proper day for ovulation and stuff. And a couple of months down, I realized I had developed PCOD. Oh. Right. So, yes, I had to be on medication for a couple of months. Uh, now, that happened when I came back to India in 2005, when I started visiting doctors, you know, trying to get pregnant. And that is the time uh, doctors did suggest me in India to go for a IVF and uh, do, uh, you know, a, a baby with a sperm injection. And I agreed to that. And we went through two of the processes and both the processes failed at that time. Hmm. So, you know, it's very disappointing when you're just trying to, uh, you know, build a family. And then uh, I remember, I still remember uh, I was leaving the doctor's office. And she said, uh, I just have one advice for you. You know, she said, um, start exercising and fix your food. You know, and it will help. And it wow. really, at that time, it was just, you know, went bonkers. I'm like, she's crazy. What is she talking? She just needs to put me on medication. But trust mm-hmm. me, I, I don't know why I took that advice and I joined the gym. And then I started to fix my food a little bit. Within a year, I was naturally pregnant. Oh. Yay. So that is something that is something that I wanted to tell even the girls, the young girls today who are, you know, uh, playing with their foods, playing with their bodies by doing all these cosmetic things. It's not good. It's not going to help you try to, you know, fix your lifestyle. So anyways, I had a baby and everything and my exercise routine started. And then, you know, I went back to my old eating habits because now I had a baby and I was that post-pregnancy weight and irritation and everything was setting in. But anyways, I went back to exercise. Uh, again, I went back to my original eating. I would go to the gym for hours and hours and I would just eat everything on planet Earth. And I started gaining the weight. You know, so uh, then I started to realize that no matter how much I'm exercising, why is this weight not shifting? So if you had to see me at age 24, 25, I'd look like a 46. Ooh. You know? And today I am 46, is what you are seeing me right now. 
So yes, I, I have done that for years and I see that happening very much in India right now. People are just exercising mindlessly. Hmm. You know, that's a huge myth we are facing here in this country. We have to exercise to lose weight. Nobody is fixing the diet. Nobody is concentrating on the lifestyle correction. Although we already know there is tons of diseases around us. There's metabolic syndrome, there's diabetes, obesity. You know, and looking at the way America is soaring in these uh, diseases, I think we really need to le- learn a lesson quick. Agree. <laughs> so yes, so coming back to my background, well, I, like I said, I'm not a fitness a certified trainer or a certified nutritionist. By profession, I am a jewelry designer. Mm. Yes. So I started my business here in India in 2006 and I ran that business very successfully for about six, seven years while my child was growing up. Uh, yet again, never paid attention to nutrition because you know when you're handling a business, it's all by yourself. You're like a one-man show. So everything else was kept aside and I was just focusing on my work until I realized that, yes, I'm working out. I'm going to the gym every day, but nothing seems to work. And, uh, you know, I, I just kept the struggle. The struggle was inside me all the time. That why is weight not shifting? What is the problem? I'd see people around so fit and so fine. And it was just not sitting in my head. Until one day, I remember I uh, visited the doctor for a regular checkup, just a regular visit. And in that, I had my LDL level slightly over the borderline. It was just my LDL. There was nothing else wrong. And oh, the doctor gave me a big fat lecture. You need to be on a statin and you need to cut off your junk and you need to do this and you need to exercise more and stuff like that. And he put me on a statin for uh, four months. Yeah, I was on that statin. And those four months, I was a different person. Mm. It was not this anymore. So I couldn't think rationally. I was very irritated. Terrible mood swings. Weight was up 15 kilos from what I originally started. Yes, 15 kilos. Brain always fogged, never, you know, on focus. So something was not happening right. You know, and I did not, I didn't have any source to go to to find out how do I solve this problem. Until I started reading a couple of books and I started doing a research on statins on YouTube and through books and through talking to people. And I realized one common thing that everybody told me was that these statins are life takers, not life savers, right? And I'm sure you would agree to that because there's a lot of work around with statins with such amazing doctors happening right now. So I got into the depth of it and I decided that I'm going to quit that statin. But obviously the doctor would never allow me to do that because he had said that this is going to be a lifetime medication. Right. So the only uh, the only lesson I learned from these research, these books about statin was the only way to do it is to reverse your lifestyle. And I remember I, I threw that trash, that medication, and I decided to change everything. And it's that day, 2018, June, and now it's 2021. And I'm down my 15 kilos. All my blood markers are in place. And today I'm lifestyle coaching people. I love that. That is awesome. Good for you. So just out of curiosity, um, 
do people in India view their doctors kind of godlike, like some of the our older generation does now, like where what they say is the gospel and you you just blindly follow it? Yes, that is the uh, yes, that is the last word. So if a doctor says it's got to be this way, it just got to be this way. That is the final word. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that's very similar here too, but it tends to be yes. more with the older generation that doesn't yes. even question. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of yes. an oddity because <laughs> I, I've never trusted for whatever reason. I don't know. I've never trusted. And so I question, question, question. And if I don't like right. something, I don't do it. And I get up and I walk right. out and it's just true. Too bad, that's exactly you know? how it should be. Yes. You have the right to information as a human being. You have a right to knowledge, even though they wear the white coats and carry the certification, it doesn't mean that they are always right. Because from what I have read, I'm not saying anything against doctors. Doctors really have a very uh, small amount of information on nutrition. That's what they're taught in their medical practice. They are taught to give you a prescription, not to write you nutrition. That's exactly right. And they'll tell you that. They will tell you that. They will tell you that. Yeah. So tell me, where does your passion come from? Because it comes across to me very plainly that you are so passionate about this. Why? Why? So um, I'll take this back to my mother. So uh, I remember when I was doing my journey of the statin, you know, uh, getting off the statin and trying to get my own transformation. And I still remember my mom one day uh, came back from the doctor's visit and she says, oh, I'm damn excited. I'm like, what happened? And she goes, you know, my, my diabetes, she's been a diabetic for the last 30 years now. You know, in India, it's like I said, it's the gospel's word. If it's written diabetic, you are just diabetic. You know, it's like that. And it's very normal to hear to uh, four people to get along and say, oh, yeah, we're all diabetic and it's all very normal. Anyway, I had no much, much knowledge about diabetes at that time. So I, I spoke to her and she said, uh, yeah, I'm very happy because the doctors are very happy with my numbers. They, my, my blood sugars are all in great numbers and I can eat what I like. And I said, wow, you can eat what you like. So you can eat bread and you can eat uh, all those sugary things. Because obviously I know that diabetes is caused because of sugar. She said, oh, yeah, yeah. And she's given me these digested biscuits that I can now eat as a snack. And I was very horrified. That made me open her file and check her medications. And she's been a diabetic for 30 years. And she's having a blood sugar numbers in three digits, like 105, 110, which is pretty okay, normal over here. And I said, how is it that she's telling you to take this medication all the time, but not leave these foods? She says, yeah, she said, don't leave the medication and continue to eat what you want. And I'm like, dude, there's something wrong here because that doctor told me you cannot leave the statin. Now this doctor is telling you that you cannot leave these medications, which means there is a loophole somewhere that this medical community is not addressing or does not want to address. And that made me get into all of this. So if you see most of my posts now are very diabetes related, because what I realized here in India is that those that are already diabetic are being put on medication. Mm -hmm. Okay. And those that are not diabetic are being given foods that are going to make them diabetic. (laughs) What are we doing? Are we saving or are we killing? 
That's what blows my mind too, because it, like, once you know, I think some people just don't really sit and think about it, but you're, yeah. gonna, you know, like if you know, arsenic is going to eventually cause you issues, even though you can have a little bit now, a little bit now without it killing yeah. you, is that it's a good thing to do? I mean, exactly. it makes it's like telling stop an alcoholic, taking the arsenic. Have little life. Yes. 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 Just stop taking whatever it is that is causing the issues. And we know what's causing the issues is too much glucose in the blood and the insulin sensitive, I mean, you know, non resistance. Yeah. Resistance. And it's like, well, how do you fix that? Well, how about you not flood your blood with glucose? Number one. It's like, that just seems, you know, if you don't want to be inebriated, stop drinking alcohol pretty simple, exactly. you know, it, exactly. it, it, yeah, it blows my mind. Okay. Exactly. So I love that. I think that is awesome that, you know, you, you just kind of went, whoa, and, and you're yeah. trying to help and make a difference. And that is so important. Let's talk a little bit of difference between India and let's go ahead and just use Texas as, as being, since you've lived in Houston, yes. Texas, and I love that. Yes. That's so cool. What what differences do you see as far as nutrition and even fitness goes between like when you lived in Texas versus in India? Yes. So when I was in Texas, I've seen tons of obese people. I, and, and at that point, I swear to God, I never knew myself why this was happening because I was eating the same way, just like them. You know, now when I sit back and think of all those aisles at Walmart or Kmart, I realize. Where is the problem? The problem comes in those aisles where there's food that's processed, that's junk. You know, be it India or be it US, the healthcare system is broken. We don't have the money right now, you know. And it's, it's very hard on governments to handle this the way it is. Instead, why wouldn't governments educate the, the people to come out of this and save their own lives instead of putting so much money into this healthcare? So instead of giving them medication, why don't you educate them of what is it that you don't want to eat which, that will not put you on this medica- medica- medicine, right? So this is something I've seen common in both the countries. It's not any different, you know? And it's just that the, it's just so easy to get food right now. So if you go, walk into a Walmart, there are like almost two McDonald's there, <laughs> right into a Walmart. What is it that's going to stop you? Nothing. You're just going to go there eat and eat even if you were not hungry. Mm-hmm. And I think as humans, whether it's US or India, we've just forgotten our instinct to recognize hunger. And that is what is leading to this fat gain, weight gain, this obesity problem. So I don't really see any difference right now where America and India is concerned. I think we are going the same way. In fact, India is at a far worse situation because in every way we're trying to adapt the standard American diet. I'm so so sorry. I'm so sorry. That U.S. influence is awful. And and when when that spreads into other countries, you start seeing the same, uh, you know, chronic illnesses that we have here. And it's painful. It's sad. And I I feel terrible about that. I mean, not that I had anything to do with it, but, you know, that that is one thing I'm not proud of. I'm not proud of as a U.S. citizen, you know, that that what we're doing is so damaging and then we have our influence out there. Influence. Yeah. It's, it's just terrible. I I hate seeing that. 
although the fitness uh, industry i think in the us is much better they're more they far ahead in terms of technology and stuff like that but in india everything is like very herd mentality you we just want to follow what the celebs are doing we just want to go with the ad and all the commercials and stuff here like too that. yeah yeah that's so frustrating to see because it is. i'm just like people hello critically think come on think. don't they're just... not eating what they're showing you yeah. oh, it's just terrible and then listening blindly without doing any of your own research just because research. it's an authority figure even stuff that yes. i say don't trust me yes. go do your own research and then you true, decide true. for yourself you don't yes. need and me I to that tell you yeah. And, and it's like, you know, it, it's not, you know, I'm not the end all say all whatever. And I could be wrong too. Or maybe, you know, I haven't got the latest information yet. Absolutely. And so you should always do your own regardless. I don't care if it's a doctor. I, I don't care. It, or, or your best friend. It doesn't matter. Do your research and make yes. sure it's yes. right for you. And just yes. because somebody else that works for them may not work for you, and that's fine. But it's fine. It's fine. let's talk Talk a little bit about the keto diet and carnivore diet in India. How is that taking off? Are you seeing any kind of a, a growth in people accepting that? Keto. Yes. So uh, India has been a, a wide, uh, you know, there's been a widespread of carbohydrates in this country, more because we have a huge population of vegetarians. Mm -hmm. let me put this disclaimer i'm not against vegetarians but all i'm trying to say is that if you look at human evolution we were never meant to eat plants right so and then i have an argument saying that, oh you were never meant to eat animals either well let me tell you animals can run for their life right plants cannot run for their life and they don't have it they don't have any other way of defending themselves other than letting out the toxins that they do and that's affecting you sooner or later. So not that I used to never eat plants. I've eaten plants all my life up till about three years, or rather two years until I changed my lifestyle. But yes, a more than plants, I'd say it's the carbohydrates. It's the refined sugars, the processed foods and the junk. And most vegetarians in India will be dependent on carbohydrates simply because it's there because ancestors were doing it it's because they think it's going to give them energy and they think that meat causes heart attacks so there's a lot of these myths that is putting the carbohydrate uh, you know uh, industry here at a peak currently and it's very hard to explain to people why these are damaging although they know it's not that they don't know so when i tell somebody why are you putting on weight? Oh, I know. I eat sugar. Well, you know it. Right? Yes. So let me help. But I understand because sugar is something, it's very addictive. It is a drug. And I'd say that openly, just like Robert Lustig says it. I agree. It is a drug. So we are hooked on into this vicious cycle. And insulin resistance today is, there are, I say, two in every house. That is very sad. Is extremely what I, bad. What is very shameful about the dietitians and the nutritionists is that they're not educating people on why this is happening. We're just being given a paper diet. So if you see any dietitian or nutritionist in India, she just or he just gives you a paper diet 
starts from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Right? We know, we know we need to eat, but we need to understand what to eat and why is it that we don't need to eat certain items. That is the education I'm trying to help people do it because I, so I'm not, I'm not just saying this from books that I'm reading. I have done it. I have transformed my uh, journey from eating carbohydrate, being a carboholic and seeing how my weight has been gaining, gaining, gaining. And then when I started to quit it, obviously not at a very fast pace, I did it very slowly, but I have seen not only weight loss, but metabolic health. So blood markers so are important. in shape. Mm. That is the problem. In this country, when I talk to somebody, the first thing they tell me is I want weight loss. Yep. And I am still waiting for people to tell me I want health gain. Yes, yes. So the moment somebody says health gain, I'm like, you're on board with me. <laughs> yes. Because it's taken me many gain. years to get there, but that you're absolutely right. Because weight gain can never reside in a healthy body. Never. It's always the unhealthy body that takes the weight gain. And I always tell people, weight gain is not that you are not exercising or that you are overeating. No, it is not. It is simply your body telling you, I am punishing you for the things that you are eating against my biology. Yeah, in a way, yeah. Yeah, because that's your body's way of protecting you, actually. Absolutely. And And if you didn't have that mechanism, you'd be in a, a whole lot of trouble. Different. So yes. it, it seems kind of counterproductive, but yes, that, it, it works that way. Yeah. Right. So it's like, you know, we're having rain, but rains are good as, as far as they're in a limit. We, when they go overboard, then it becomes a tsunami or, you know, a cyclone. We don't want that. And that is what is happening here. The overconsumption of carbohydrate is driving people to hit the gyms where they don't realize that it's not the gym that's going to help you. You first need to correct that nutrition, bring that weight down, correct your metabolic health. Absolutely. For a simple headache, we are given an antibiotic. Why? It, it, it's, it's the craziest thing to me now that my eyes are open, but I was yes. once there too. So really? I totally understand, you know, but once you see it, you're like, ah, I got, yes. I got to do something about this. I gotta that's, do something why, about that, that's why I'm so yappy about it. I know. And I really appreciate your work. Well, thank you're you. You're there every day with so many different people. See, we wouldn't even know that, you know, somebody like Srinivasan even exists, even though he's from India. Mm -hmm. Right, But now that we know about how each of us are trying to spread this message. So coming back to keto. So keto has a very bad name in India. Oh, Not that everybody thinks that way about keto. There's a lot of times that people are doing the dirty keto, you know, taking it to extremes. And then mm -hmm. again, they don't have the right knowledge about keto. How, uh, what is keto? What is the state of ketosis? What is it? It's a metabolic state of your body. That's the way your body is designed to function. But yet again, the addiction of carbohydrates, the addiction of the processed foods, and then the commercials trying to drive you crazy, it's just, it's a vicious cycle. So keto has a very bad name. And I always tell people, keto is not a diet. It never was a diet because our ancestors always followed keto. Keto simply means you're eating a group of food that your body cannot produce for you. That's protein and fat. 
And when you're eating carbohydrate, that is one component your body has every mechanism to produce. Your liver can do that for you. Can you leave that job for your liver? But we just doing the opposite and then we complain weight gain. So, so the minute you say fat and protein, oh, everybody's eyes are like popping up. <laughs> I'm like, you don't pop your eyes when you eat sugar. It's so true. And now carnivore is another level. Oh, you're carnivore. So you're not touching vegetables. How do you go to poop? I'm like, dude, I eat good quality meat. <laughs> you know? So everything comes down to constipation in India. We have been scared with constipation. If you're going to eat the right food, you're going to get that shit out. <laughs> That's the number one thing I always get. Oh, well, uh, you must be just so constipated, especially with all that meat rotten in your gut. And I'm like, so you get that question too? Oh God, yes, all the time. These little comments, uh, but you need fiber, really? Because yeah. over two years now, I've had none. I poop just fine, thank you. And I'm not in pain. I don't have bloating. I don't have gas. I don't have constipation anymore. And oh. you look great. Look at your skin. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and I feel amazing. So, yeah. you know, fiber, I'm kind of thinking that's the whole thing is overrated. And if you're eating the overrated. right things, you don't need that to go poop. True, when you're true, eating true. junk, yeah, yes. it helps to bulk and, and force the stimulation Absolutely. and, uh, you know, peristalsis to work. But Absolutely. if you're eating the right thing, you don't need that. Newsflash. Yeah. You go just yes. And we don't have any enzyme to digest fiber. It just goes in and it's out. What is it going to do? So, so India has this really, you know, fancy way of making uh, fruit juices and vegetable juices where we're having celery juice every morning. And if somebody said, I want to have a green smoothie, oh, green smoothie. I'm like, Ugh. can I ask you, what does it do? If you cannot answer me the why, why are you having it? There is no use of that juice cube. Uh, juices kill yeah. me. Okay. So in India, I've had so many people come back at me when, like when I had BNS on and he was talking about how it is an Indian, et cetera. And people are right. saying, well, the reason why, uh, that you don't see carnivore is because it's against the religion to eat meat. Is that true? Yes. All meat or yes. is it just beef? No, it's, it's, uh, so for Hindus, if, if we're talking about just the Hindu, Hindu community, yes, it is all meat. So they'll be oh. all plant-based, but again, for the Muslims, again, it's just the pork that they're avoiding. They're still eating oh, the, pork okay. and the lamb and the mutton and stuff. And for the, for the Catholics and the Christians, where they're eating everything. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, most of India is covered with Hindus and that is the reason this issue of, you know, meat and, and mm. city, country cities that are not. Uh, in favor of cutting meat or killing animals and stuff and then again we have the vegan community that's a separate section we're dealing with right now oh interesting oh, yeah. so how do you approach people like when they come to you and they want help do they have a hard time wrapping their mind around the fact that meat is actually the most nutrient dense food we can eat and that will you know really help to promote you know, better health? So the people who are non-vegetarian who eat meat, well, it's not so tough for me to deal with them. But off lately, I have been having a little tough time because now I'm noticing that those that eat meat are still preferring to take veg food, mm. plant-based food. 
Mm-hmm. Now that is a shift that most of me and my colleagues are facing with this, uh, you know, with this problem. And this is something we need to deal literally every day. And I'm like, you are a non-veg eater. Why are you eating or, or being dependent on plant food? And again, the answer is the same, the fiber content, you know. So yes, it's very hard, but we're trying slowly, trying to replace, you know, meal by meal, trying to make them understand what is the meaning of fullness or what is the meaning of satiety. This is one term that people in India are not understanding. They're not being able to recognize their satiety levels. And that is uh, because of the carbohydrate consumption, because leptin is just not working for them. So it is hard, yes. Yeah. Okay. So what about uh, your vegetarian clients or yes. even vegans? How do you help them, with, especially if they have certain conditions that you know are more plant related? I mean, some people do fine on plants and I have no issue with that. It's, yes, all, yes, right. it's all fine. But it's there all- are certain conditions like autoimmune issues, skin issues. Okay. There are certain things yes. where some people have to go all the way carnivore if they yes. want this corrected. So how do Correct. you do with those people where you look and you're like, I'm almost 100% sure that it's because you're eating this? Yes. How do you, yes. how do you yes. deal with that? So, so with them, it's really hard because obviously they're coming with to me after even seeing visiting a doctor and the doctor has given them that final word that it's going to be just and just medication for them. You know, so for those people that they come to me, it's really hard because I need to try to explain to them that I want you to be disease free. You know, I have to make, give those, uh, you know, a little emotional talk about how important they are to their family, you know. Because it's, like I said, very hard. If, so, so there are a lot of people who have come to me and I have tried to help them out, and you know, especially with autoimmune diseases. And that one visit to their physician just puts water all over my effort. Yeah. It's sad. It's sad. But I try to convince them uh, you know, with research based, with whatever I read and whatever I have learned. So it's not that I'm just talking out of my mouth. It's always that I try to convince them, showing them results of how this works and how science works. So most of them, yes, are convinced, but then again, some of them are hard and I think it will just take them some time. So I never like to force anything on anybody. I always leave the choice to them. And I always say, when when your calling will come, you will come to me. Till then I can only pray for you. That's for sure. And in the meantime, it's so hard because you know, and and you're watching, but at the same time, you also understand where their thoughts are coming from, especially in the older generations who have grown up believing a certain thing because that's what they've always been told. The same with, I mean, same with us. I mean, it's the same thing. I know with me, you know, I believe uh, red meat wasn't the best. You shouldn't have it too often. Uh, Saturated fat. Oh my goodness. That's terrible. You're supposed to do the seed oils because that's heart healthy. And, you know, all those things. And I believe that too. I was so incredibly low fat when I was growing up because that's what you're told is healthy. Oh God. And and that's I, exactly I think of the, the Crisco, the, the corn oil, the, corn oil. oh my God. Soybean oil. Oh yeah. I just, I, I, I just die thinking of that yeah. because I, I ooh, what damage did I do to my body? I, I can't even imagine, you know, yeah. cause that was a good 40 years of my life. So that's kind of a long time. <laughs> and another thing in India is that also, you know, everything is being compared with money. So it's always, they're comparing health with how expensive it is to be healthy. 
Oh. Well, I always say that you, if you're going to save that money by not buying an avocado, not buying correct oils, well, I just advise you to keep that money for a doctor because it's going to go. Yeah, you got to you yeah. got to pick your what what you're going to spend your money on because you know it's either it's deal with that. your health now or you're going to pay for it later in medications, yes. doctor's appointments, and, and I'm me, only saying that there. out of experience. Yeah, I, and I yeah. would agree with you. Yeah, I would agree. I have done that myself. So until I did not take this nutrition very seriously in my life to change my oils, and it was a very hard time because when I was trying to change my mother's uh, foods. It was a tough time. She's 73. And she goes like, you leave my home and I'm not changing my oil. <laughs> I've <You> heard know? <laughs> that. <laughs> and now her numbers are in double digits. The glucose is in double digits. So it's always, I know it's very hard because from where it's coming, but just that little shift is important. And then believe me, if everybody just does this little shift, the world will change. We are soaring at 74 million diabetics. It's not a joke. Man. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've read that and, and yeah. talking to BNS and he was mm-hmm. telling me just, you know, how incredibly, uh, you know, popular, if you will, common yes. it's becoming. That's pitiful. Yes. I mean, it's bad enough here. Um, yes. But to see the growth over there of these chronic yes. diseases, diseases is just sad. It's Horrific. like, learn from our mistakes. Learn, learn. from us. Learn. Don't do exactly. the same thing. <laughs> learn. <laughs> yeah. Totally. It, totally. It, it is so hard trying to fight all the propaganda, you know, that you see all over TV and that, you know, your doctor are taught your dietitians are taught yes, you yes. know and, and your your grandmother t- tells you this and your mom yes. and your friends yes. because that's what we all believe you you hear it enough and it becomes the truth regardless the truth. of if it's yeah. true or not it becomes the truth if you hear it enough and you know that's what we're battling we are really yeah. battling that and people yes. call us conspiracy theorists and you know we're crazy uh you're going to have starting back and yeah and, and the meat rotten in your gut and you know you know all this stuff and you're like meat can never rot in your mm. gut simply because meat <laughs> doesn't you know, just get that far <laughs> exactly and 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 it, it's with the other things so it's what you're eating with your meat you're eating the pasta yes. the bread you know French fries. Oh, the French fries. Yeah. So meat doesn't rot. Meat requires a good amount of fluid to just digest and pass off and leave the nutrients with yourselves. That's all. That's what meat does. And meat gives you satiety. This is what I said. This is what's missing in India. It's because of the grain consumption. The constant hunger. Constant hunger. And we have grains in all forms. Ooh. You name it. We have almond flour now. We have coconut flour. So if you don't have this flour, we're going to have this flour. But we dead sure going to have a flour. Yep. You know? So this constant grain consumption. And then this. look at the variety. You walk into a grocery store and there's tons of flours available. All forms, all flavors. Mm. So it's red rice and then it's brown rice and then there's black rice i'm like what are you doing you want to eat rice just go pick a bowl eat it forget about it stop this fooling of being healthy yeah yeah that is a big staple right is rice yeah it's a staple diet for our country it is grains and all forms of flowers yeah 
So they're eating more of the rice. From what I understand, portions are getting bigger, like where it used to be like kind of more like a little side dish. Now it's like a lot. And then they're adding in the seed oils, cooking with that instead of what they used to cook with. And going low fat. Oh God, and going low fat too. Oh, okay. All right. So there's no butter being used. There's a scare of ghee being used. And the way I cook my meals, if you've seen my plates, I pour the ghee. You know, I never count the calories because I, oh, and there's another, this huge myth in India about calorie counting. I'm like, brother, you're eating a certain net calorie. You don't even know how much your body is going to be using or storing for that matter, right? Because there are other functions in your body happening, which require calorie consumption or calorie burning. There's non-exercise thermogenesis. There is the diet-induced thermogenesis, which is, you know, when your digestion is happening, you need calories to burn. There's muscle protein synthesis happening, which requires calories to burn. And then there is, you know, uh, excess post-oxygen consumption. Rest, when you're resting after an exercise, your, your body needs calories to burn. How are you calculating calories if you're just calculating what goes in when you do not know what's going out? That's exactly right. And that was one of my questions. I was going to ask you is the calories in calories out, you know, thing. Now I do believe absolutely calories matter. Yes, they do. But so, you know, calories count, but you don't have to count them because it's, it's not accurate. It is so off anyway, your body's not a closed system. So talk a little bit about that. How do you explain this to your, your clients when they're, you know, calories, 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 how do you explain to them that it's really not that simple, that it's so much more than just numbers on a piece of paper? Yes. So I always give this very uh, common example to most of my trainees and I tell them, so let's say, you know, I said, uh, let's say you get 5,000 rupees every week to spend. Okay, let's say I'm giving you 5,000 every week and you're spending it very nicely. Now, after a couple of weeks, I say, I don't have 5,000. I'm going to give you 2,000 rupees. You know, so then comes out their uh, smart answer. And, I'm, and I ask them, if I give you only 2,000 now, are you going to still continue to spend 5,000 so that you're going to have to put the 3,000 from your own pocket and try to spend it, right? For that deficit. Because earlier you were getting 5,000 to spend. So you were spending 5,000. Now I have reduced the five to 2,000. Which means there is a deficit of 3,000. So they say, oh no, we're not stupid. We're going to only spend 2,000. Right? And I said, that's exactly how your body works. If you are putting in less, why should your body expend more? So eat less, move more. How is it going to work? Didn't work for me. You, it didn't work. Your body needs to survive. It needs to keep your organs alive. And to keep your organs alive, it needs calories. It needs the fat. It needs the weight. It will not let it go. That's one reason. Secondly, when you are eating, you are eating the bad calories. Your cells are constantly going to be hungry. Yes. Thank you. I was because, hoping you were getting there. <laughs> yeah. Because everything that you're eating is only going into storage. Where is the usage? You are eating foods that are driving insulin and insulin is a smartphone. I think even Google will give you that answer. You know? So it's very simple. That's exactly how science works. You eat a food, your food gets metabolized in a certain way depending on what is the quality you've eaten. So if you've eaten things like a sugary gummy bear, 
it's not going to be used by yourself. Your cells are going to reject it. And it's going to land up in the fat storage compared to if you're eating maybe a bowl of broccoli. Well, yes, that is the nutrition your cells require. How are we calculating calories now? There is no way to understand where is the expenditure happening or where is the storage happening. We are not a bank that we eat and then we, you know, we use it and then we store it. it doesn't, it's not that easy as a number. We are driven by hormones. And a lot of our carbohydrates that we are eating is stopping leptin from being produced or being we becoming leptin resistant now. Our brain is not able to communicate with our fat cells to tell us to stop eating. And yet we are counting calories. Because I've been seeing dietitians being giving uh, diet papers which says, oh, only two eggs. I'm like, she's done a one-hour workout and you expect her to eat just two eggs our cells are going to be dying of hunger. And then what happens is you tend to reach out for the wrong food post-workout. Mm -hmm. Because now you're so brain fog, you're just looking for food. So this is another problem with people here is that they will exercise for hours at the gym. And I have done it myself. Me too. And when I finish the workout, I'm all over my plate to whatever I see on there. I don't care what there is. So I've actually landed back or in a worse position than from where I started now. Yep. So calorie counting is not required by humans. Yes, like you said, calories matter. Let the brain do that job of counting the calories. It knows where to use that energy, how to metabolize that fat, how to metabolize that glucose. We just have to make sure we take in foods that always keep us in a fat or usage or not a storage. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Okay. So it would be safe to say then a calorie is not a calorie as in a uh, hundred calories of a Snickers bar is not huh? going to do the same thing in your body as a hundred calories of ribeye. Not at all. And, and explain a little bit why, because uh, technically, okay, so if you're just going for weight loss, weight loss, um, I'm not even talking fat loss, weight loss, and you reduce your calories, like uh, at one point I was eating only 800 calories, and I could do that technically eating 800 calories of a Snickers bar. I could still lose weight because I'm still at a very low, you know, a, a pretty big de deficit, right? Because 800 calories. So I'm going to lose weight, right? But what is that doing to my body? How is that helping me long-term? It's going to plateau. See, your body has a set point. It has a set temperature or like a set point of your weight. And every time you are doing a diet or this calorie deficit, your body is in a confusion. So it's, it's, it's trying its best to reach that set point. Because that is your set weight in your DNA. Right. We have just assumed that, oh, I want to be at this particular weight, but maybe that's not the ideal weight for as for your body. Your body has a different set point and we're constantly jumping with that number. So, yes, when you do a calorie deficit, I would agree that you do lose weight or you come down a little bit on your weight. But after a certain plateau, that body is going to try to jump back to that weight, that set point. Because that set point was decided by the low quality foods that you've always been eating. So always, uh, when your quality of foods is high, your set point 
will be low. And that's a very good sign because that means you have a good fast metabolism. And we always need to be at a lower set point so that we are, our metabolism goes faster. That means whatever we eat, we're going to use it up. And that is the reason you can calorie count for a month, two months. How long are you going to track this? You can count the, the, you know, the crumbs that fall down on your wing scale then. If you have to make exactly, there is no way to be completely accurate. There's just not. And can you live your life like that? That's the point. No. Why wouldn't I instead take a bowl or take a plate, eat to satiety, eat till I get a signal I am full? There's nothing to count, provided I'm eating the right quality, what my cells require. So, no matter how badly I'm eating, even if I'm eating in a calorie deficit, my body is still going to metabolize that as sugar or as fat. It's not going to do anything different. And I don't really believe in moderation. So, uh, because I always feel that abstinence is a better way of, you know, getting it off from the root. Because in moderation, you are sometimes in fear pressure and, you know, with social surroundings and emotional stress, you just land up eating. You just over, go overboard. And like I said, leptin doesn't work with carbohydrates. We That's can eat exactly a whole right. of popcorn, but you cannot eat 10 pounds of ribeye. You can't. I sure can't. Mm -mm. I, I, I cannot overeat protein meat. I cannot, can't, I, I can't. I mean, I, I tried, I tried at no, one of those Brazilian that. places, just, yeah. you know, get your 50 bucks worth. Right. So I tried yeah. and I'm like, I can't eat any more than I normally do. So, oh, well, you know, is it worth well, the 50 bucks? Probably not, but it was fun and I enjoyed it. So it was all good, but whatever, you know, exactly. <laughs> you feel like you need to yeah. eat your money's worth, right? Right. Nope. So nope. I always tell people, you know, you don't need anybody to write you a paper and tell you to eat four eggs or, you know, eat half a pound of ribeye. Just eat as per your hunger. If you see animals, they always eat as per their instinct. So the two things I've always noticed with animals, and I think we should learn this from animals, is that they never eat, you know, what you serve them. They eat exactly what their food is. So a dog will only take bones. It's not going to eat your ice cream if you're going to serve him. And the second thing is they will only eat when they are hungry. Unless you have my dog, a lab. <laughs> Labs are a different breed. Yeah. My other dogs, yeah, not a problem. My labs, yeah. a problem. Yeah. You you keep putting food down, they're gonna keep eating. Ah. Yeah. I had one dog we left on vacation and I had a friend just come over and make sure she was okay and all. And we had an automatic feeder that uh -huh. kept releasing as she would eat. And my friend called us and said after two days and said, uh, all the food's gone. And I'm like, what? That was a huge bag of food. And, yeah. and she was like, when we got home, she was like, yeah. So, and we do have some people who have the same issue. Like for instance, people who have binge eating disorders, I yeah. have learned um, through this, I was a binge eater, but I don't have this issue anymore, but some people do, they can actually bypass their natural, um, satiety signals like you know they just keep eating past that point and so there are some exceptions but generally speaking you know like I say I, I physically can't oh I could overeat carbohydrates 
even after eating meat that made that satiated me, if yeah. I was to eat carbohydrates, I could keep eating that. I could eat dessert. I could eat other things because I'm not volume full. I'm yes. satiety full, satiety. but the carbohydrates. mentioned about the difference of being oh, full. Oh, it's so, so huge. Fullness, but protein and fat give you satiety. And yes. that is just what we need to recognize. So yes. against fat being more dense, in terms of cal- calorifically, you know, it's more nine, mm-hmm. uh, nine kilocalories uh, gram. So that that should be enough to keep you full. Why would you want to eat half the amount of carbohydrates and then double it up to you know get that satiety? And you're not going to get it. No, you don't. Not so for long, you, anyway. Yeah, and you're going to become insulin resistant for how long is your insulin going to keep pumping out all the time you're eating carbohydrates? Because so you're in eating India, all day, all day long. All day. We are eating, what, eight meals a day. That's three big meals plus five snacks. And that's 500 carbohydrates per meal. (laughs) No. We don't even require 1% of that. We don't require any, technically. So So that's the mind boggling. (laughs) Absolutely, it is. So I tell people, you know, your liver can produce its own sugar. And then I, well, I'm crazy. I'm like, no, I can show you science and I can show you the process of how gluconeogenesis works. You know, you just have to recognize it. That's all. I'm not saying don't cheat. So cheat meal is another big topic in India. Why don't we get a cheat meal? Why would you need a cheat meal when you can enjoy every food as a treat? You know? And the only food that will give you that happiness or that treat feeling is fat. True. You know, the elimination of fat from the market or from the food industry gave rise to the introduction of sugar in every form. So they have a bliss point. There is a bliss point. Uh, there's a research center which, you know, wherein they're testing people's bliss point to understand at what point is it going to really hit your dopamine. Yep. Yeah. And that's how deep this is going. Yeah. And from what I understand, and, and I, there may be new science out here about this, but to get the pleasure from a food, it, it's just within the first three bites or three drinks. After that, you don't gain anything more from that. You're just eating to eat as far as the pleasure part goes, yeah. you know, like enjoying a food. So you're not going to gain any more pleasure by eating a plateful of a cake versus three bites of cake. And so if you kind of break it down and you think about it, is three bites really worth, you know, setting me back from my goals from, you know, possibly, you know, causing my issues to return, whatever the issue may be. Is it really worth three bites? That's what I I always tell my clients, you know, think about it. Three bites, that's it. You're the rest of it. You're not gaining anything from, so you're just eating it. So three bites is worth messing up everything you work so hard for yeah you know and if it is okay okay if it's, it's worth it to you you're an adult make that decision but understand that you're going to have consequences yeah you know yeah i would totally agree with that yeah okay yeah. let me check the time here Ooh. okay uh, okay let me just make sure um now we can go on talking right Amber? sure <laughs> okay okay so 
what is the best way of keeping your insulin down? Because we've talked about how it is important not to keep bumping and spiking your insulin all through the day. So how do you keep it steady? How do you keep it from doing these spikes and drops and, you know, being chronically high all the time? Yeah. So there's a very nice way. And I read about this in uh, one of my books that I was doing. It was by uh, Jonathan uh, Baylor. The book is called Calorie Myth. It's a fantastic book. Mm. And it breaks a lot of myths about calories, how calories uh, you know, affect our, our, our biology. So I read about this. And he, in the mention in the book was uh, about these four quality factors of how you can control what you're eating. So you, you have to, so the, the shortcut word is called SANE, S-A-N-E. And that's how you recognize your food. So you, the first thing it says was uh, S, which says satiety. So you eat foods that give you satiety. Yeah, that's one way of keeping your insulin low. The second thing it mentioned was about aggressiveness. How aggressive a food is in terms of uh, calorie, or how quickly it's going to, you know, rise, raise your uh, blood glucose. How aggressive mm. that. Okay. So talking about glycemic load and index okay. there. The third thing is nutrition. How nutrient dense is your meal? That will help to keep your insulin low. So the less nutrition, the higher your insulin will pump out. And the fourth one was, uh, it was ease. It was efficiency. How efficiently will that food be converted into fat? So I always go with this word whenever I'm eating something to understand how my insulin will spike or that's the advice I give people. So check your foods. How sane is your food? You need foods that give you satiety. That's your fats. And fats are insulinogenic. They will not raise your insulin. How aggressive your food is. How much of that food will be converted to sugar? So when you know that it's a, it's a coconut pie or it's an apple pie, it's going to raise your sugar. Insulin is going to be high. Right? Third is your nutrition value. Obviously, a cookie is worse than having a piece of broccoli. So that, again, is going to decide your insulin release. And the fourth is the efficiency, how quickly that food is going to be converted into fat. Because the higher the carbohydrate, the more the insulin, and the quicker it converts it to fat. So the best advice to keep insulin low is eat what your body cannot produce. Fat and protein. Do not eat what your body can produce, the non-essential carbohydrate, because that is what is going to keep your insulin low. Because if you don't eat carbohydrates, you don't pump so much insulin. Yes, insulin is required at a baseline, which your body will keep uh, generating every 55 minutes from the body for its baseline uh, you know, functioning. But further than that, not required. Exactly. So Have you ever done... Have you ever done a CGM experiment? Have you ever done yes, that? I just, uh, yes, I just in fact completed one last weekend and I did a 36 hour water fast. Oh. So yeah, I've done a 60 hour in 2018. And that 60 hour was fabulous, fabulous also because I had a lot of body fat at that time. So I had enough of stored fats to use. <laughs> At that time, I never did the CGM. But yes, last last weekend, I did the CGM. It was a 36-hour water fast. And my blood glucose was um, 60, uh, sorry, 71 on the fast, right before opening my fast at 36 hours. And post my meal, it was 78. 
Wow. And I just had two pieces of steak. Wow. Yeah. So what did you learn? What did you take away from the CGM? What was, what was one thing that just really stood out for you? That your body can produce its own glucose. You do not need exogenous glucose to survive. If my body is showing a CGM number of 71 pre-meal, which means in fasting, which means in the 36 hours, my fats and proteins have done their job of doing structural work or have given me energy to survive those 36 hours, but they have also done the job of converting the glycerol and the amino acids into breaking down into glucose through gluconeogenesis. And it has done a brilliant job by supplying it to whichever cells require it. There is no requirement of sugar from outside. So we have this issue of hypoglycemia in India. Oh, I don't eat and I'm going to faint. I'm going to pass out. And that is the reason I did the CGM, just to help people to understand that if your body has switched fuel source from using or burning sugar as fuel to burning burning fat as fuel, you are in a better shape, not only health-wise, but also weight-wise, and you're metabolically very good to go. Was there anything, did you try anything like experiment uh, with certain foods just to kind of see the differences? And if you did, what did you find out? So I haven't really done anything with, uh, you know, with the carbohydrates because I don't take any uh, in the last three years. But I am planning to do something next month. Uh, with the CPM monitor to see certain, for example, certain fruits. So fruits in India is huge emotional topic. You cannot touch that topic. Yeah, if I say no fruits, mm-hmm. oh my god, I am the devil. <laughs> so yeah, it's but it's fine. so good for you. You're supposed to eat those all the time, all day long. Yeah, well, they have all the vitamins and the minerals. So let me put all the vitamins and minerals now in a donut and serve it. I mean, it's going to be the same job, right? oh yeah Yeah. understanding of a non-alcoholic fatty liver where is it coming from why are we intaking so much of fructose today in different forms processed food junk food fruits so we in india don't eat a fruit we eat fruits in plural and we'll we'll eat it after finishing the dinner and after finishing the dessert, we will then sit with a platter of fruits watching television. Wow. <laughs> I say pity your liver. I, the only thing I tested on the CGM fruit wise was a banana because that is something that I absolutely loved my bananas and I hadn't had one in three years. Oh, no, I'm sorry, wow. four years. And so I thought, oh, I'll just try that. And honestly, it wasn't as bad as I thought. It never reached that 140 cutoff. Uh, it was close. The only thing that I experimented with that shot above the 140 was honey. And you know why I tried honey, because in our community, there's such a fight between, oh, yes, honey is carnivore. It's a great thing. Oh, my gosh. No, it's going to spike my glucose. Well, I'm just going to tell you it spiked the crap out of mine. And then it crashed quickly. And I was nauseous. I was dizzy. And I felt like crap. The banana didn't make me do that. It didn't go down quite as, you know, dramatic and plummet. It just kind of a little more steady down, but it didn't make me feel horrible. But that honey did. 
it made me so lightheaded and I, I have no desire to ever have it again. And it's not something I would ever care to have again. It was way too sweet and too, bleh. um, it's just yeah. not something I'd ever want again, but I used to eat it every day. Um, when I thought I was being healthy, you know, I'd mix it with peanut butter, you know, good protein yeah. and, you know, healthy honey, right. Local honey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same issue we have here with honey. Everything has to be added with honey. Okay. And then we're also adding white sugars. Mm. You know, so there's yeah, there's a lot. Of, so so I think we're just destroying our insulin sensitivity with all of this. I'm not against eating a fruit as per se, but I always say, why don't you just keep it as a substitute or use it when there's food not available, when you really need that glucose, and you should be capable enough to handle that glucose. You're already handling 500 grams of carbohydrates a day, and then you want to add it up with honey or, you know, desserts with honey. So most of our Indian desserts are with, are, are very sweet, very sweet. We've got jaggery, we've got dates, we've got honey. Mm. We've got a lot of coconut being used. So it's a, it's a, you know, amalgamation of all of these things and put together and you're still thinking it's all natural. So it's very healthy. Well, I'm not saying our ancestors never ate honey. Yes, they did. But if they were given a preference between animal food and a honeycomb, it would always be animal food first. Absolutely. I agree and that's with that what 100%. They did. And that's what they did with fruit. They always took a fruit when there was no food available. But today we are eating fruit in between food meals. We're also adding fruit now to juices and to smoothies and get all the fiber out and making it worse. Well, that's another topic. And it's all season, all, all seasons, all year round. And yes, you can find a mango all year round, you can yes. find an apple all year round. There's no such thing as a seasonal fruit. We don't go plucking our fruits anymore. We get it from the markets, which are air conditioned. There's been pesticides all over them. Yes. And we call them natural. And, and healthy. Very healthy. Absolutely. Yes. That, that, oh yeah, that is a very emotional word being attached to everything. So keto for example if i want to tell you something i just need to attach the word keto before it and i can sell it to you it's, it's that easy but wow. you don't understand what is the science of keto and then when it doesn't work you come back saying oh keto doesn't work so i have a lot of people who tell me oh we lost 15 kilos or you know 20 kgs on keto and i'm like what happened to you right now you look like 30 kilo 30 kgs up they're like yeah we we left keto i'm like well obviously oh keto doesn't work i said keto works Keto works, you did not work with keto. You decided to go back to your wrong eating habits. So please don't blame a lifestyle or a diet plan. Yes, <laughs> that is so true. And I hear that all the time. Oh, well, it just didn't work for me. And I'm not saying that, you know, uh, keto and carnivore is right for every single person in the whole entire world. I'm never going to say that, I but so many times when they say something doesn't work is because of what you said, just like you can do keto good and you can do it in a not so healthy way. You can eat the processed keto fied foods. You can, you know, if it fits your macros, you know, the, the those where yeah, they don't hear about the nutrient density and the yeah. health properties of the food, but they're staying within a certain range of carbohydrates. So technically they're in ketosis. So therefore they're doing the ketogenic diet. 
Yeah. But there's such a difference. And at yeah. first I admit I did that too. I did the desserts I did, you know, and occasionally I would have a keto treat. I didn't really care for most of them, honestly. So I didn't yeah. really eat them very much. But by the end, before I transitioned into carnivore, I had already weeded all that out because I just didn't care about it anymore. And it just didn't serve any purpose for me. Right. And it didn't give me the pleasure like it used to. And mm -hmm. so it was no big deal. So another thing about, uh, so when I always tell people about ketogenic diet, so I always sort of explain to them another concept of metabolic flexibility. So, you know, sticking on to or getting obsessed by being in ketosis is not going to give you health. You have to learn to be metabolically flexible. So tomorrow, if you're, you know, you're on a ketogenic diet and all of a sudden, if you were given a bowl of ice cream and let's say you eat it, your body should know quickly what to do with it. That is a switch we are looking for. And that metabolic flexibility will keep you in a right uh, weight, weight maintaining in the right frame of health. Not being in ketosis and being obsessed with those numbers on your machines. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. Oh my goodness. Um, well, Mahek, it has been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank, Thank you. you so much for coming on. I've really Thank enjoyed you. this and I adore you. I love you. Keep doing what you're doing. You're inspirational. I, I love your fitness videos you do. So, hey, y'all, while you're here, subscribe to my channel and then go follow Mahek. I will have all her information below. So follow her. She's awesome. A, a wonderful person. So Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Enjoy being with you. And I'm so, so privileged to be on your show. Thank you. And you do keep doing the work that you're doing. I'm going to keep spreading the word for you too. Oh, thank you. I love that. Bye.